You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's April 19th. Many experts have noted a trend of school reform churn. New initiatives and programs are adopted by a school or district to help it improve, but then dropped when the next popular reform emerges. According to a new RAND survey, teachers are much more likely to perceive school reform churn than principals. For example, 89% of principals said reform programs at their school had a sense of continuity, but only 56% of teachers agreed. Similarly, 61% of teachers said that reform programs at their schools tend to come and go. That's compared with only 33% of principals who said the same. Why do these differences in perception matter? They might have an impact on the effectiveness of reform efforts. Getting both parties on the same page could help lead to greater teacher buy-in and increase the chances that a reform program succeeds. Economic sanctions and carpet bombing have a lot in common, says Rand's James Dobbins. They're both indiscriminate. They tend to disproportionately damage the most vulnerable parts of society. And they seldom have the desired effect unless followed up with a military invasion. Dobbins notes that economic sanctions have been successful in achieving some U.S. objectives. Nonproliferation is one example. But sanctions are too often the soft choice between doing nothing and taking effective but risky or expensive action, he says. If sanctions are not tied to attainable goals, they risk becoming purely punitive and vindictive. In these cases, sanctions effectively punish entire populations for the actions of their leaders. Sometimes they inflict decades of impoverishment, or worse. To prevent such ruinous outcomes, Dobbins recommends that policymakers ask, Are economic sanctions likely to succeed, and is it worth punishing an entire people to do so? The opioid crisis is like an ecosystem, and addressing it will require a holistic approach. That's according to RAND experts, who spoke at a recent event in Pittsburgh. They're studying the opioid crisis from several angles, striving to understand which solutions work and how to address unintended consequences of well-meaning policies. This approach is necessary to navigate what Rand's Rosalie Licardo-Pakula calls a perfect storm of problems within U.S. regulatory, industrial, social, and economic environments. Rand's Tisa Marie Sherry spoke about her research on opioid prescribing and pain, which remains one of the most prevalent and disabling medical problems in the U.S. The key question that she and other experts are exploring is how policy can limit inappropriate or risky prescribing, while still ensuring adequate treatment of pain, and without causing unintended harms. Rand's Bo Kilmer discussed an approach that other countries are using to address opioid use disorder, heroin-assisted treatment. Kilmer is careful to note that heroin-assisted treatment isn't a silver bullet or a first-line option, but there's reason to explore this approach, he says. There is encouraging evidence from other countries— And because America's problem with the synthetic opioid fentanyl will likely get worse before it gets better, the U.S. should pilot a few randomized controlled trials of heroin-assisted treatment. This would help assess the costs and benefits and provide evidence to determine if this treatment option should be offered. Finally, Rand's Bradley Stein discussed how to expand access to more traditional treatment. 
Because of history, funding silos, and stigma, conventional wisdom is that opioid use disorder should be treated outside of the traditional healthcare system. But Stein says that we need to treat opioid use disorder like we treat other chronic health disorders, managed in primary care, using specialists as needed. This would be a major shift in care, but it's not without precedent. There was a similar shift regarding depression just 30 years ago. You can read a recap of the event on RAND.org and look forward to a lot more research on the opioid crisis from RAND in the future. NATO's eastern flank, comprised of the Baltic states of Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, is vulnerable to Russian intimidation and hybrid warfare. A new RAND report explores options for deterring and counteracting this threat. It concludes that unconventional defense plans could complement the existing defense efforts of the Baltic states and NATO. This approach can improve warnings of impending attacks and buy time for NATO to respond. To make their efforts more effective, the Baltic states could invest in a wide range of technologies. These could include cyber capabilities, night vision devices, tactical and long-range mobile communication systems, non-lethal weapons, small arms and explosives, and anti-aircraft and anti-tank weapons. Primary care accounts for a small fraction of total Medicare spending, between 2.12 and 4.88%, depending on how primary care is defined. That's according to a new RAND study. The authors say these estimates are important because directing the health system toward primary care is linked to higher quality care, better outcomes, and lower costs. Notably, lead author Dr. Rachel Reed says that there's no consensus about the optimal share of medical spending that should be devoted to primary care, but our estimates could be a reference point for policy debates about investments in primary care. Last week, U.S. officials designated Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, or IRGC, a foreign terrorist organization. This decision was not entirely unjustified, say RAND experts. The IRGC creates, trains, funds, arms, and deploys forces with thousands of fighters beyond Iran's borders. These include local insurgents and terrorist groups. However, the administration seems not to have considered the many ways that Iran can retaliate, from attacking U.S. troops to targeting American civilians abroad to cyber attacks. In fact, official statements by the Iranian government already indicate that Tehran is interpreting this designation as an attack and planning to respond accordingly. Our researchers explain that Washington must find a way to come to terms with Iran on critical geopolitical issues, such as reconstruction in Syria, the continued campaign against Islamic State remnants, keeping Afghanistan from descending into chaos, and forging political reconciliation in Iraq between Sunnis and Shiites. But with this latest move, what the U.S. has done instead, they say, is increase the likelihood of a tit-for-tat escalation with Iran, one that could result in broader regional strife. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. See you next week. <laughs>